I wouldn't ask anyone, like anyone in our company, to do something that I wouldn't do, do myself. I think, uh, I think that's true for, for everyone. Hello, and a big welcome to Hot Sauce, where we'll cover the hottest topics within Sauce, together with brilliant guests. Are you also curious about fast-growing companies and the people behind them? Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman, I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right, warm welcome, Andreas. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Max. Nice. Good to have you on board. Uh, so, to set the scene a bit, uh, can you please mention your role and which company you work for? Yes, so my name is Andreas Pader Björnsson. Um, I'm co-founder and sales manager at CV Partner. And we are an Oslo-based company, but we also have a lovely office in Stockholm and many other places. Nice. Yeah, cool. And, and uh, just some short, uh, quick ones in the beginning. So what's approximate the ARR range and your headcount at the moment? Uh, so ARRs in, in euros is between three and five million euros. Mm. Uh, we are 27 people uh, as of today and hoping to be uh, more. Nice. So if you're and keen to join a, a cool B2B enterprise SaaS company, then check out cvpartner.com. Mm. Cool. And uh, you mentioned some markets, Sweden, Norway, what else? Um, yeah, so we serve global markets. Um, we have clients in more than 35 countries uh, and uh, yeah, Northern Europe primarily, but we do have quite some, some traction in the US and Canada mm-hmm. and even some clients in Australia and South Africa. And, yeah, we're quite, uh, quite sort of international already. And uh... To, to go back a bit, what kind of problems do you solve? Give me the, give me the pitch for CV Partner. Yeah, so um, we are a very specialist niche uh, for professional services firms. So think um, engineering, consulting firms, uh, IT consulting, even law firms or architects um, yeah. who sell their services and they need to keep track of their CVs, resumes, uh, case studies. Uh, and as a part of that, also their skills and experiences. Um, so we've made a tool specifically to to manage and streamline this process. So both capturing the data, uh, making it available, uh, and preparing a proposal, which includes typically a CV or a resume, um, and often a case study too. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we focus primarily uh, on sort of solving that. So our clients today do get. Um, yeah, full control. Uh, the consultants or engineers, they can update their CV at any time and they save time and uh, the company win more bids as a part of it. That's, um, that's good. We serve, so our clients work in all types of industries in you know, both public and private sector. So Yeah. And uh, considering the, the niche, would you say that it's a, a, lo- a long sales cycle and a large average deal size or is it uh, a bit more transactional? How, how does it look? Uh, so I think it's probably more towards the, the enterprise. Obviously, if you're ten people, it's you know you can manage with a, a SharePoint with a word like word and a. Mm. Um, but uh, so I think we're probably you know longer. Um, it's more of like a consultative way, uh, like 
learning how the client works, what kind of you know bids they they submit, and um, yeah, how frequent. And then you know it it does it's, it's not done in a day. So I would say, according to our CRM, it's like 120 to 180 days. Um, but it can be a lot longer. So we got the client two weeks ago, and the first time I talked to them was uh, more than four years ago. Ah, <laughs> so, persistency. <laughs> we haven't, it's not like I've been reaching out to them daily since then, but it's like you know, it's yeah. it's, um, it's a core uh, you know of their business, but it also you know takes time to either replace some legacy tool or um, you know f- figure out that. That you, that you need what uh, what our tool does. So mm. as, as as long as you've either used it before in another job, or if you have uh, you know done the proper research and done a business case, you'll know that it's uh, it's an easy easy buy. So yeah, mm. nice. And uh, talking a bit about uh, persistency over the years, uh, you've been at uh, and, and co-founded as you said, CV partner for approximately six seven years, right? Well, so I claim co-founder status being employee number four, uh, yeah. but uh, but it was started actually going back ten years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, by Arling and Nikolai, who's still CEO and sort of CPO and, and founders of the company. Yeah. Um, but it didn't become like a proper business until 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. and then we sort of grown um, organically and sustainably uh, bootstrap fashion since then. Nice. Uh, that's good. Cool. Good numbers. And uh, looking at your like previous experiences, uh, would you say that there's uh, anything in particular that you've done prior going into the SaaS industry that you consider a strength within the SaaS uh, business? So I'm an engineer uh, originally. Uh, started off sort of doing sort of project management, uh, but um, ended up in sales, uh, particularly doing it wasn't software. We had software components and eventually we had our own also software product in my previous job but it was um, definitely like a more um, high tech it was a physical product we sold into the energy sector uh, so yeah. I think probably what I learned from there is obviously you need to you know it's, it's a consultative way you need to understand really the client needs and instead of pushing sort of your product but really understand their pain and try to solve that um, mm. yeah and uh, obviously also that required you know, we were selling a, a high-tech product at, at a premium, so we, we had to really yeah, get to know the client and spend face time. So I did a lot of traveling back then. It was very international because uh, we sold to like the energy and mining and pharmaceutical and that kind of uh, kind of industry. So I was pulled pulled into sales. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I can imagine it's a it's a big strength to have been working within uh, engineering and then stepping into a sales role to really understand the complexity and the product and the technical parts and everything. Yeah, that said, I didn't do uh, like um, I was. <laughs> my training is as a mechanical engineer, uh, so it's nothing to do with. Comp- we did have some like courses in, you know, computer science and stuff, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't claim that I. <laughs> okay, not not officially engineer, but still. Well, uh, that said, early on, I I tried uh, I fooled one of the programmers to to help me, so I wrote two lines of code in CV Partner, so I can also claim that I actually. <laughs> That's good. Two sure. important lines. <laughs> probably, they were probably like uh, taken out uh, the day after, but. Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's not hope so. Uh, and uh, focusing uh, the the shift a bit to your like sales manager role, uh, can you tell me a bit about your team? And uh, the headcount, type of roles you have in the team, how does it look? 
um, yeah, so it's quite straightforward. So we're three guys, <laughs> all senior, uh, hoping to hire more. Um, um, so, so next month we have the fourth uh, person joining from Canada. Mm, yeah. um, so we've never done like the BDRs or SDRs or that kind of thing. We've always been like senior. Um, and up to I think last year, we the, the sales was done by sort of the the founder, Arling, the CEO, and myself. Uh, and we we've sort of yeah, got uh, one on board uh, almost a year ago, and then we have Oscar, who you know, uh, joining in in August. So mm. so it's quite uh, we're not the biggest team, uh, but we do sort of everything thing ourselves. Um, uh, we've had some outsourced uh, sort of assistance in the past, uh, but we now sort of decided to focus on you know senior and and uh, someone that could sort of do the entire process. Uh, yeah. And I would say it, it makes sense. I mean, having an enterprise product, uh, of course, it, it makes sense to have a bit more of a senior sales team in the in the beginning. Uh, but one common um, difficulty I've heard is that being a founder and then trying to teach the like first salesperson coming in how to sell. Did you experience any difficulties in that, like trying to copy and paste the selling recipe internally? Um. Well, so yes and no, I guess you you learn and you need to sort of allow uh, new joiners to figure out their own way as well. Mm. Um, so what we did was obviously a lot of shadowing. <laughs> uh, so new joiners would sort of join me and Arling, you know, on, on, on you know, any type of call. Mm. Uh, and, you know, hiring senior people, it's sort of, you, you don't have to do the basics. You can, you know. uh, we also uh, spent time making sure that um, sort of everyone who sort of joins, uh, regardless of which team, really learns the product and the market. So we invest a lot in the beginning. Okay. And instead of like, you know, forcing someone to, to start, you know, call, hitting the phones or, or reaching out on day one. Because um, when you really know the, you know the tool and you talk to a few clients, then it's a lot easier to, you know, with confidence say uh, to new clients that, you know, this is the product that, that you should go for. Um, so, so yeah, uh, we're trying to obviously, you know, sort of uh, um, <laughs> step out a little bit and you know not join too many calls and um, allow people to to to, to learn on their yeah. own. Mm -hmm. and, and did you focus a lot on on like the sales reps, not only shadowing other salespeople, but also stepping into the different departments, understanding like the whole the whole cycle and the whole uh, flow within uh, within the company. Um, yeah, well, I would say yes. Uh, so often the sort of the consultative way we're doing it, it's um, overlapping or sort of the onboarding of our products a little bit overlapping with um, the sales process. And we try yeah. to include our great customer success team early, uh, especially for larger clients. And, and that's also what we did initially going into a new country. We started with um, getting customer success locally. Know, local support, having someone there that could actually go out and sort of meet the client ah, in the onboarding, because okay. uh, it's um, obviously built builds trust, and uh, there's some localization also needed. Um, I think you know both in terms of customizing how the partner is set up for that client or in that country, but also support and languages and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so being you know starting up in Norwegian, and even though you know every we started up, we had to like. Uh, you know, make it easy for multi-language, for example, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so to get back to your question, I think, uh, yes, 
you know, including you know, more people. And initially, obviously, it was you know to, to get get things set up, we had to even to involve our developers uh, to like get the account set up and data imported and single sign on and 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 some integrations and stuff. But now it's we've been invested in lots in tools to sort of be able to automate that so that you know onboarding uh, you know what was for five years ago a big client and a huge task now can be done by you know two people with our own mm. internal tools um, so investing in that sort of automation uh, to be more efficient has been been important for us mm. uh, and that's you know has benefited sales and customers and also the developers so that they don't have to be bugged down with lots of like uh, questions uh, all the time uh, yeah and uh, that brings me in about the. Uh, I want to pick your brain about the go to market because, as you said, you've, you've uh, stepped into new markets and you've done it perhaps with a more focused balance on the support and customer success. Uh, did you put in one CS, one support, one sales rep, or, or like how did you do it in, in what order and uh, what worked? Um, so well, so you know, you're only three three salespeople, and we're in 35 markets, so so that <laughs> must go up. But uh, but so what we did, so some of our sort of enterprise clients are quite global, uh, so we were able to grow a little bit with them. Uh, so we got referrals to like the the Swedish office or the UK office of one of the large, uh, for example, consultancies that use CV Partner, mm-hmm. um, and then we would once we had sort of a you can call it the land and expand in each market. Once we had a foothold, and that was basically me or or Arling, the founder, going there, meeting them. And you know, initially we would go to like conferences to try to meet with you know, potential clients. Um, mm. um, combined with some outreach, I would say we haven't been really focusing on that, but we've done some. And then once we got the initial local traction, maybe a few clients, then you could you know visit there more often. And then at, at a certain point, we could, could hire locally and start a, you know, a, a local office and then we would translate the tool to the local language and, and do some sort of more local marketing. But we, the first like um, hire outside was in the UK for sales. And now we have Oscar who's uh, in Finland, but speaking Swedish. So he's covering that and I'm still doing Norway. Uh, and we're sort of, you know, Sometimes doing a, an early morning call with Australia and then yeah. probably doing a late the late afternoon or evening with, with the US. so yeah uh, yeah so I guess summarize land and expand uh, having local support and then you know traveling in for for events uh, yeah yeah makes a lot of sense and uh, looking a bit about the the higher uh, that you look for um, I mean. You're a quite small and, and tight team. Uh, what would you say are the characteristics that you're looking for when uh, putting a new piece of the puzzle uh, together at the CV Partner? What's important for you? Um, well, so we always have this like cultural check-in, actually, and a dedicated cultural interview to, to know that you're a good sort of cultural fit. And I think, especially if now we're going to, to the US, obviously, that understanding that we are sort of <laughs> we bringing our Nordic culture over there and our company culture, whether we sort of want to or not. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so we have a clearly defined sort of our our you know, culture, and you need to be able to we need to assess whether that's a, a good fit or not. Um, and can, can you elaborate on like how how do you define your culture? What kind of step is it that you do in the in the process that makes it the check off? Yeah. So obviously, you know, we're uh, all quite senior so we have this sort of trustworthiness um 
uh, that you sort of can really like own <laughs> a challenge or, or a task and you know you know being like as a part of that being a little bit entrepreneurial and self-going is important um, mm. we're also extremely like security focused we hold a lot of these security um, you know certifications that you know you, have, you simply have to comply with uh, so that's important uh, we yeah. also have friendliness uh, which I think is it's important because you know we do help each other you know cross departments it's not like uh, silos in any ways um and flexible uh, i think it's important um so there are there are two or three more but i think that's probably the most mm. things we're looking for um and hiring uh, yeah so you basically take in like a couple of the keywords i would say that are quite associated with the enterprise segment and broken it down and put it into the like recruitment process of things yeah so but obviously you know having the right uh, you know technical abilities and uh, there are lots of things that we, we look for and um, yeah mm. Yeah. And uh, can you s- share something else in terms of great culture that uh, you or your team or CV partner does more in like the practical things? Do you have some sort of routines, celebrations, lousy traditions or anything like that? Um, well, so we do, uh, despite being, you know, growing, we, are, we, we do meet physically twice a year. Uh, like, okay. um, and then we meet and we do the workshops. We have, you know, great events we do something fun um for at least three days and you know that's often like wednesday to friday and then you know some people provide that they, they they have the, you know can stay throughout the weekend we typically would go to one of our offices like going to london later this month um you know, oh nice and, uh, often you would also, london i yeah yeah so obviously we have a, a team there already in an office but we've been to stockholm copenhagen and oslo and so, so we do that every year uh, to like, you know, because, you know, some of the smaller offices are only two or three people and, you know, it's good for them to meet with their colleagues. Um, mm. And you would also sort of bring your, your spouse or as, uh, also to, to sort of parts of that sort of company events. And, and oh, where we also, that's really nice. And we have uh, one or so uh, we have one of our uh, um, sort of design team members uh, who have her own band. So sometimes, uh, <laughs> no nice a live show. Uh, so something like that. So um, so we do do uh, we do tend to have fun when we meet up and uh, yeah. yeah, a little bit of everything: yeah. colleagues, dancing, and uh, and spouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can say that. So, uh, yeah, and also we have, you know we have uh, nice offices and we do have like we do you know do social things uh, in each sort of location as well in between. Mm. Moving from culture to perhaps knowledge sharing, mm. uh, I've uh, recently heard a lot that the majority of the um, the decisions are not taken like in the one-to-one meeting between the buyer and the the sales rep, but it's rather like an internal decision, especially within the, the enterprise with multiple C-level stakeholders and so on. Mm. Uh, how do you work with knowledge sharing at CV Partner to like understand what works and what doesn't? Yeah, so it's definitely true what you say that it's it's rarely one person making decision, especially in Sweden, uh, but also you, know, you can see that in you know even in the UK and Germany or more sort of top down. Um, yeah. Within CV Partner, we've we've um, sort of introduced what we call autonomous teams. Um, so we sort of split up and trying to you know put the decision making on what we do, and that also includes kind of what decisions we do with the product or what sort of products we use. 
um, on a more uh, sort of individual, not individual level, but on a team level. Uh, so we sort of split up both the product and the teams to to be more autonomous, um, so that they could, for example, work on different parts of the application, you know, without you know having to you know you know on their own sort of um, to basically decentralize this decision making because. If you want to grow fast, you can't have a very like top-down. Uh, yeah. um, and within those teams, so they obviously we have company-wide uh, online calls um, monthly where we would have a, have a point at least for knowledge sharing, and then we have dedicated knowledge sharing sessions uh, within sort of the, for example, dev teams and the individual autonomous teams. Uh, so, yeah. um, and then yeah, we have check-ins with the sort of sales and marketing teams uh, weekly. Yeah, and can you? Uh... Tell me a bit more about like, okay, let's say that I won or lost the case as yeah. a sales rep. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you pick up what worked and what didn't in that case? Because sometimes you might not even get the, the right answer from the customer, right? It's more like a, a ghosted or, or ah, not this year, maybe next. Uh, so, so how do you pick that up and, and try to um, uh, really understand the underlying uh, uh, reason? Uh, well, that it can be ch- challenging because, as you mentioned, <laughs> yeah. uh, you don't necessarily know. Um, no, and and even if you get an answer, you you sometimes sense that it's probably wasn't the the the, the actual reason. Um, but that, you know that happens all the time, and you need to definitely in sales have a thick skin uh, mm. to sort of peel like no. Uh, and get up on your feet and do something else. We do. We have had like uh, lost reviews where we've sort of included, especially if there's you know, we've either lost a client or lost a deal that we have actually worked on as a team. For example, including like the, the design team or or the integrations or dev team or the customer success, and then we try to figure out what uh, what we could do better. Um, Is that together with the customer or like an internal session? Um, Sometimes we. I don't think the customer has been a part of that, um, but um, yeah, well, we obviously, if there is a churn, luckily we don't have that much churn, we would always reach out. Yeah. And having like this customer success team that I talked about initially, that you know, their job is only to make the customer happy, they, they don't sell anything. So typically we we have a good relationship, I would say, with all of our contacts. And so if there's someone that has been using CV Partner for a while, then we definitely talk to them, uh, customer success. Uh, but if it's like an opportunity that we've lost, then, then it's more difficult because then we don't have that sort of a relationship um, mm. yeah of course makes sense and uh, I've, I've recently read a book uh, about that the majority of the uh, the reasons why I lose a deal I think it's between 40 and 60 percent of all the, the deals within b2b is because of indecision so basically uh, not that you're losing to a competitor but rather that yeah they just can't get a decision out at all mm. uh, and I think that's something that uh, can also be a big challenge in the the enterprise segment. Yeah, for sure, because you know, especially there's always some kind of tool that serves like part of the part of the problem, and then uh, you know some enterprise businesses have a very challenging sort of environment to navigate if you want to get change done. Um, there's procurement processes, there's IT. So obviously we've done a lot to try to make it easier, uh, but it's difficult to know what actually goes on at the client. Uh, but I would say the the times when we we get to engage with them, where we learn their real problems, and uh, where we could, for example, um, do like a business case. Ideally, often the client would do them themselves, and we would know what happened. <laughs> but sometimes we sort of can provide some input. 
uh, and then it's, you know it's easier to get approvals and especially when sort of the like certifications we have and some of the, the things have made it a little bit easier uh, and we obviously yeah. try to encourage that champion that we meet to feels the pain to to go through the the motion of getting an approval mm. and can you give some advice for the people listening that perhaps are not super used to being in the enterprise mm-hmm. segment uh, can you share some uh, key takeaways or, or major learnings that you've uh, seen or felt uh, selling to the enterprise and, and common pitfalls, perhaps? Uh, so I'm looking through my notes a little bit here. So, um, so yeah. I, I guess it goes back to a little bit like like we don't necessarily try to force the, the client into like a funnel of our understanding of how the sales process could be. It's more like a, a consultative way, and it's not like we have to like uh, get the contract you know in front of the client by meeting two or then you know they're disqualified and so so you i would say if you're like uh, if you're selling directly to a ceo of like a 400 or you know bigger company they don't want this kind of you know they, they just want to solve it you want someone to understand their problem and figure out how they can solve it and then they don't want any like bullshit that you often mm, yeah. talk to you know trying to buy something in you know um so you know be straight with them i think um it's a good um um, yeah, good best practice. Uh, have mm. excellent support. So initially, also you know, if a client and that typically also happens, you know, in enterprise, there's a you know, the client wants to see it and try it, uh, and um, they're happy to sometimes pay for that. But but uh, you need to show that what you're saying, like we have great support. And they need to actually experience it, and then it seeing is believing. Uh, uh, so if you you make it really really difficult for you know people to to use it, so I think that's something that we've um, done. So like pilots and and sort of yeah, showing them the value uh, before starting to like force the contract mm. or force the commitments. Uh, would you say that that's uh, like a part of your sales process always, or is it more depending on case by case? It's case by case, but I would say more than half of the times, uh, especially with the enterprise, there's um, the, you know. The, the key, I wouldn't say decision maker, but like the the, the champion or the, the person that typically feels the pain, which for us is often like the bid manager or the tender manager or uh, like a, someone who works a lot with bids and tenders. So they, they want to, to test it. So they so we would set up an account for them with sort of a few CVs or a few case studies and some templates and you know make sure that they they sort of understand the product and. Uh, and see how they can benefit them, and then we can talk like onboarding and, and next steps once they've sort of uh, used it for themselves for a while. Um, mm. So that's especially like in new markets where we don't have any like social proofing or word of mouth. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, even more important to to show what you got, not just to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And then also be very straight and you know what you don't what you can't solve because <laughs> uh, often it's like it's it's better to be best at what you do uh, and instead of like trying to do something in something else because it just fits <laughs> what the client wants uh, so often you know saying no is as, <laughs> as important as saying yes um, and yeah. you know but offering a path to how it can be solved or having a partner or having you know um, integration options or yeah uh, let's move into the last segment of the day, which is basically a bit focusing on uh, leadership and also work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I want to tap into, have you ever perhaps experienced really, really good 
leadership? What was that like? Or perhaps some worse leadership? And what did you learn from that? Um, well, uh, I guess in general, it's like uh, learning by like um, leading by example. Uh, so you can't like get someone to do a job that you wouldn't do yourself or, uh, you know, um, we're also kind of, uh, or as, as you know, both in the Nordics, but also I think CV partner, we have a quite a flat structure, uh, mm. which I think is also important to build that sort of trust. Uh, and we're also quite transparent. So if you have all of these things as a leader, I think that's, uh, that's helpful. Uh, cause then, then you don't have to like micromanage and you don't have to, uh, yeah, spend too much time like and also you know, if you have like more senior people then it's uh, uh yeah you don't spend as much time on, on the basics and you can you can spend more time on uh, yeah. mm. and and how do you do that in in reality do you like cold call together with the like uh, the, the new sales rep coming in or, or how do you actually live by that promise so to say uh, well we don't do too much cold calls and outreach uh, <laughs> fair enough <laughs> So, but yeah, like I wouldn't ask anyone, like anyone in our company, to do something that I wouldn't do do myself. I think, yeah, and I think that's true for, for everyone. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but but still, you would you want someone to to learn, you know, by themselves and even fail and learn doing that, uh, but in like a safe environment and without micromanagement and without uh, having too much uh, you know, top down or hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and last uh, question into the like um, leadership and work-life balance puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you achieve good work-life balance, or have you perhaps uh, experienced uh, some uh, challenging times in terms of uh, turning off work when coming home? Uh, well, so in in the first years when we weren't that many people, it we were all sort of potatoes and we all did you know <laughs> everything uh, and we were uh, you know one day doing sales and the other way doing support chat and then doing like, recruiting and uh, at that time there wasn't too much work-life balance uh, but again we were younger <laughs> we didn't have any like most like we didn't have any family yet and uh, you know we had we had fun so it, it didn't really feel like we have had that you no know, much work-life like we didn't feel like we were sort of missing out or anything. Um, luckily, like it, we didn't like in in the middle of the summer, it was it's kind of quiet in the Nordics, so we could get some time off. And the same like in uh, in the weekends, it's uh, so I wouldn't say like a lot of us work, for example, in the weekends. Um, but obviously, you know, we I have two small kids, so now it's, it's a bit different. You need to be more structured. But then again, luckily our yeah. team is a lot bigger, and we have. You know, uh, a lot of um, you know talented people that solve problems, and you know, I don't have to to sort of uh, work as much. Obviously, yeah. So I think uh, work-life balance is one of the things that uh, that we can claim that we are quite good at at CV Partner. Yeah, and perhaps also uh, getting kids uh, is is helping you to actually set the structure and and uh, putting up the the great work-life balance rule. Uh, you have to pick up. Uh, you have to. Yeah, so so that's uh, simple. And and you know, initially a few years ago, I would do evening calls with the US uh, once or twice a week. Um, mm. Now it's no, I can't do that with two small kids. So uh, so we had to like 
hire people who locally, and that's what we've done now to, to do that. So that we need to, we can't be in we need to be in the time zone to, to properly serve a market like that. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay, so let's move on to the outro part. Uh, I'm a bit curious if you have any people in mind that are like thought leaders within the SaaS industry uh, that you think that I should bring on to this podcast, uh, preferably some people in Europe. There's not too many SaaS companies. It's not a, a, like a vibrant uh, SaaS community as in Stockholm, uh, but there are a few good companies, I think. Um, that said, I don't know too many of the sales teams, but I know the founders of two good companies. Uh, uh-huh. One is called the App Farm. Uh, they make a low-code low platform. Um, mm-hmm. so if you want to test out your sort of, uh, if you have an idea for a good SaaS product, you can you know build that using App Farm. Uh, so I can uh-huh. with the founder there, and uh, it was also done a lot of size. Um, and then we have a more like a, a fintech, uh, the next Klarna, <laughs> called Dintero. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, dintero.com and appfarm.io. Um, so I can yeah. connect you with the founders of both of these companies, and maybe they have some good stories, or they can you know, connect you with someone who, who has good stories within those companies. Um, so they're good company. They do completely different to what we do, uh, but um, but I think uh, I'm, I'm at least impressed with what they've done. Yeah, awesome, cool. I'll uh, reach out to to both of those. Yeah. Thank you very much. I will sum up a bit. I actually have uh, three key, take, uh, key takeaways that I want to end with. Okay. And uh, one thing that I'm taking with me is to align the hiring process with your like, yeah, segment or persona that you're selling to. So basically uh, focus on, on the uh, qualities that are important in the sales early on in the hiring process. Yeah, not only for, uh, but for, for anyone working in you know, the techs and customer service. And... Yeah. Fair enough. Good point. Uh, And another one is to uh, localize when going to market in the enterprise segment. So basically focus a lot on the uh, customer success and the support if you don't really have the the logos, so to say, to to get into that market. Mm. Uh, And third thing, uh, I'll uh, label it as seeing is believing. So basically let the customer... Uh, touch and feel your product with the adapted uh, twist so that they get uh, hungry and uh, want to buy earlier and faster. I think that's a great summary. Nice. Uh, Andreas, thank you very much for uh, joining this podcast and uh, I wish you and the CV partner all the best going forward. Likewise, Max. It's been a pleasure. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. One call close. All right. Shifting the focus to you that's been listening. Just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast. So hit the link in the episode description. There you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upvote what other people have already suggested. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to someone that might be curious, friends, coworker, or that random person in your LinkedIn feed. Last but not least, leave a rating if you enjoyed it. While we're at it, add me on LinkedIn to see short video clips from the podcast and enjoy the rest of your day. See ya. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wonder which my prospects is your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wonder which my prospects is your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones.
phone. Gotta hit the phone. One call closed, so I'm sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phone. Gotta hit the phone.